sorry, you looked like you were adjusting something. I'm stalling now just to piss John off. <laughs> All right. Welcome to Too Much Free Time Podcast. Season 2, Episode 2. Yeah, that's the theme song, John. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I guess I didn't introduce us. I forgot. I always keep forgetting to do that. I'm, of course, Mark Burris. With me is Peter and John. Say hello, boys. Hello, boys. Hey there. <laughs> if you, you stole my the, joke. Already. <laughs> <laughs> if you listen to the last podcast, you know that we have moved away from horror movies and we are doing our own little special genre <laughs> called Star Studded Duds, meaning that it's ensemble cast movies. That were either a critical or financial failure, or especially in this case, a movie that one of us found lacking in all things. And I'm um, gonna defend this. You know, <laughs> the grown ups financially was a success. It was a critical failure. Well, financial it was a critical success. failure. It was a critical failure, so it still fet the met the critique. Anyway. This, this one was not through and through critically loved. <laughs> It wasn't. So, if you can't guess by now, it was Peter's choice. Yeah. And obviously, he did not like this movie. No. And uh, what movie are we talking about tonight, Peter? Crash. <laughs> Academy Award winning. Best Picture Best winning. Picture of 2005. Six. Crash. 2006. No, it's five. I'm looking at it right now. It's well, 2006. It's 2005. It's, it was in 2006 for 2005. Okay. Anyway, it won Best Picture. <laughs> of 05. In 06. Because we all know how the awards do it. In February for the year that it's they're in February for the year before previous previous right so it had to play a week in L.A. yada yada a bunch of other things speaking of L.A. so Peter why is it that you hate this movie so much I just wanted to get that out of the way before we jump into the story why I hate this movie so much is because it's too heavy-handed the I don't think anyone watching this movie. So it's it's about racism and about how racism is bad, okay? Uh, big bad racism, big R, capital R, racism, and how, yes, people that, you know, like, over-the-top racist is, is bad. That's what you got from this movie? <laughs> <laughs> Not one of these characters is nuanced. Not, And I think that the movie does a really bad job of bringing the audience in and being like, maybe I'm a part of that problem. I think this movie is very easy for someone to go, yeah, racism is horrible. I would never do something like that as opposed to identifying the subtle races racism racist traits that that are inherent just naturally in people i okay i agree that it's kind of heavy-handed i don't agree with you on like a lot of points you've made about this movie in the past but i do agree with you that they needed to have more subtle nuanced racism that does connect the audience because that is a good point you make. I think one of the reasons why I dislike this movie is because I feel like a lot of, I'm going to say privileged white people as three privileged white kids in a room talking on a podcast. Yep. A lot of people went into that theater and left that theater saying there's racism in the world, not amongst themselves. You know what I mean? Like it was very much just another, oh, them over there have to deal with racism all the time. They weren't relatable examples. They yeah. were pretty extreme, like y'all are saying. But I don't think yeah. that's inherently a bad thing because I do think all the the most of the examples they give have some level of true real world truth and that some sort of to an extent this happens. So I don't think 
the racism they show is inherently wrong, but I do agree with you that they should have shown more nuanced racism. I love, so, you know, I've never... This is, this is getting serious. Well, <laughs> yeah. <the> podcast. <laughs> I, I, I have some strong feelings about this movie. I was super excited to be able to pick what I consider to be a dud. I'd never looked up criticism for this movie before. I just had my internal, like, golly, I really just don't like crowds, yada, yada, yada. And the more I looked into it... Your like, inner dialogue smokes like three packs a day. <laughs> at least. Very and raspy. I think it's an old lady. <laughs> I sound like Hinder. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, but, yeah, like yeah. I was looking, um, and a lot of critics liked and disliked this movie. Like uh, Roger Ebert or whatever loved it. It was his movie of the year. But then, like on his same, um, like his website or whatever, one of his editors was like super against it. it was his worst movie of the year. There's this uh, response by his name is Scott Foundis of the LA Weekly. Um, I want to read one of these quotes. It's it's uh, go for it. Yeah, Crash is an important film about the times in which we live, which is another way of saying that it's one of those self-congratulatory liberal jerk-off movies that rolls around every once in a while to remind us of how white people suffer too, how nobody is without his prejudices, and how when the going gets tough, even the white supremacist cop who gets his kicks from sexually harassing innocent black motorists is capable of rising to the occasion. How touching. <laughs> <laughs> Not since Spanglish, which, alas, wasn't that long ago, has a, has a movie been so chock-a-block with, with risable minority caricatures or done such a handy job of sanctioning the very stereotypes it ostensibly debunks. Welcome to the best movie of the year for people who like to say, a lot of my best friends are black. <laughs> <laughs> that is a savage review. Oh, my gosh. I can't say I don't disagree, but, like... <laughs> Oh my God, that is hard! Amazing! <laughs> wow. Oh. Okay. So now, now we know why Peter truly dislikes this movie. Let's uh, let's go over the cast list real quick, just so we can clarify how star-studded this is, because it does have Sandra Bullock, Brendan Fraser, Don Cheadle, Matt Dillon, Ryan Philippe, uh, Keith David, Tony Danza, Michael. How do you say? Is it Pina? Pin yeah, Pin Pin Pina. Pina? If I'm mispronouncing I that, I apologize. It's like in Ludacris. Everyone loves a random Special Luda. shout out to Ashlyn Sanchez from uh, The Happening that we did earlier. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, Jess. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> this is before The Happening, you know, just really adorable. Pre-Happening. But, uh, yeah, and also I guess it's good to point out, because it did win Academy Awards and that, or it did win Best Picture, and that's kind of a controversial idea i guess because of how much peter hates this movie and i'm gonna i mean john would you go ahead and say that you didn't like this movie either i i kind of agree with peter um i don't like this film but i don't think it's, it's as bad as peter is i think we'll it, get into it though. yeah yeah but uh, yeah, yeah john, i mean my stance is that i do not like this movie okay uh well let's go over <laughs> <laughs> no i don't mean to yeah, like no. just brush that off no, i yeah. just <laughs> it it exposes itself for what it is in this movie so many times. It's amazing. Let's uh let's go over who it was up against though, because this is actually an interesting. Because it also explains why I think it won. Um. So because what it was up against? Is homophobic? N no. Whoa. Yeah. I guess they are. <laughs> <laughs> I was just getting ready to say I misunderstood what you said, but no, you're totally right. Uh. No, but so these are the movies listed. So Crash obviously won. Next up was Munich. 
I mean, I love Munich, but I'm surprised that was nominated for Best Picture. Yeah. Um, good Night and Good Luck. Underrated film. That's a good... That's a really Andrew, good one. Uh, guest star in The Strangers loves that movie. That's a... Yeah, I feel like that's a movie a lot of people don't talk about. I recommend no, Good he Night loves and Good Luck. It. Uh, Capote, the... Um, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Great Capote, movie. That's a really good movie, too. And then Brokeback Mountain. And I would have, like... If you put a gun to my head and said, what, you know... Oscars did Brokeback Mountain win. I would have guessed Best Picture because this is like ripe for one best Oscar director. Bait. Um, I guess you know homosexual cowboys don't beat out racism in terms. No, of No, they the, beat off other homosexual oh cowboys. <laughs> Careful, <laughs> careful, <laughs> careful, Peter. I couldn't not say something. I thought like, season two is supposed to be more catered towards the kids. <laughs> I know what we just did. Grown ups, okay, <laughs> and we were A talking about how movie. it didn't know its audience. <laughs> How it wasn't a kids movie. Just yeah. ironic. Me and John were just talking about a second ago how how hard of a right turn we took from <laughs> from grown-ups <laughs> to crash. Yeah. Yeah. Duds know no bounds. <laughs> Duds do not know bounds. Uh okay. Anything else before we jump into this? Uh um, director's last movie was Million Dollar Baby. That's a good movie. It was a good movie, one best picture. It was I actually thought Pretty Clint good. Eastwood He directed it. Oh. This guy wrote it. Oh, okay. And he wrote like, Crash and it. he just ended up directing this. Oh, okay. Clint Eastwood it was a gorilla song. Oh, I I so we've talked about how this was a um a award success and kind of critically reviewed positively. It won three Academy Awards, which is actually really low. And only a handful have only won three. This wasn't nominated for any Golden Globes. Like well, the Golden Globe. I, I, this sounds weird, but I actually put a lot more faith behind Golden Globes nowadays, just because I feel like they go for good movies and then let the Oscars do the movies that are supposed to, quote unquote, affect the world. You know what I mean? Uh, not always, but I feel like that's a rule of thumb at least. When but I yeah, watch a lot of stuff. these fun facts are how it slid by into becoming like Best Picture and how it like breaks trends because it only won a handful. It wasn't. It was not a critical success. Like when it came out, it did not. It made a little ripple. It was one of those like, "Have you seen Crash?" Like my mom saw I mean, Crash yeah. in the theaters, loved it, and made like, well, made invited one of her friends that came into town to go see it with her again. You know, it's like the word of mouth type of. Yeah, success. I mean, Metacritic has it at a sixty nine right now, and I know Metacritic's a little like harsh, but that is interesting how low that is for um, an Oscar winning movie, but. So it did win awards, and then also it wasn't a financial flop. Just to well, yeah, it wasn't a financial there. flop, but it <laughs> also wasn't like rip roaring success. I mean, on a six, not from a standpoint of what it, you know, other movies that came out. But I would like to say it had a budget of six point five million. That's a lot less than Grown Ups. <laughs> 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 and it, guess how much it made worldwide? Like a hundred million. Yeah, just shy of a hundred million dollars. Gosh, Lions! How did Lionsgate close off of this movie? It <laughs> was this movie. They made so much money. It was a uh, oh man, what was another? Hurt Locker was the next movie to do so poorly in the box office to win Best Picture. Yeah, like Hurt it, Locker it just, is a much better movie. It didn't. It was not as successful as like other movies that have won. Yeah, uh, I can I can hear your resentment. Just I'm just seeping out of you. Uh, I was I, trying to be objective this week. <laughs> Open-minded. Mm. Couldn't do it. I don't believe that. <laughs> I don't <laughs> believe that for a second. Um, okay, let's just jump into this. 
Yeah, so nothing really standing out from the opening credits. It was kind of a weird, like, just other than Lionsgate. Yeah, yeah, we the had Lionsgate thing was shocking. Yeah, I was surprised by the that. red and blues going. Yeah, some, a lot of red some music. A lot of lights in this movie because yeah, we had the credits, mm-hmm. and we got to open with a to dramatic sh- lights to shine on the truth, man. <laughs> the mm-hmm. truth of go racism. be the light in this world. Yeah, yeah, nice, mm-hmm. nice job. Yeah, uh, but we got to start with a dramatic Don Cheadle quote. Uh, I didn't write it down, so I'm probably going to butcher it, but it was basically along the lines of, like, every other city in the world, you know, people are constantly bumping into each other. But, you know, out here in L.A., we just were trapped behind these this steel and this glass, and we just crash into each other, <laughs> hoping to feel something. A little title drop there. So yeah. is that the quickest title drop in a movie you've ever it, it's seen? It's got to be close. I don't know. I bet you anything there's, like, some movie from the 80s that's, well, just says a, it as the first line. What about Halloween? That sets the scene, right? That it's Halloween. Oh, but they no. don't like. Come on, they don't. Does that count? If it, no one says it. You know, like, and I bet you anything, they don't say Halloween. I bet it says like title card. It says Halloween, and then when it sets up the date, I'm pretty sure it just says October 31st, and mm. then like it just gives the date. So you're that's, wrong. <laughs> that's that's a little hard. Like a day, you know, day of the year or whatever, being a title drop. If you're gonna. Um, but yeah, Don Cheadle gives that speech, and his uh, we find out he's a cop, and his partner thinks he has a concussion because they drove to a crime scene and then were rear-ended. Like the odds of that seem astronomical. Uh, like a lot of coincidences in this movie. A lot of coincidences. Yeah, I I don't want to jump too far ahead, but I wrote down towards the end of the movie when we start realizing all these people's lives are connected. I'm convinced that this movie wants us to believe that there are only like seven people in L.A. And, and then there snows in LA. All racist. <laughs> Everybody's racist. But Sometimes. Yeah, we got our first little thing of racism though, because the partner gets out of the car and gets in an argument with a an Asian woman, who is uh, adamant that it's the other driver's fault, and uh, they start throwing some slurs back and forth. Well, yeah, and know, the, the set this movie off right. The um female cop starts talking you know like ooh, mix english like ooh, uh, sorry i cannot see over steering wheel and you're like oh my god yeah it definitely jumps right into it oh yeah it it kicks it up to races it like racist real quick and um yeah so it's just him checking out a crime scene and then it cuts to black we get a yesterday so this is in the future (laughs) not not a three months before or you know like three years before you know our time jump or time hop back is yesterday Yesterday. (laughs) which i think that's weird in terms of pacing like that ends up like it ends up being a dramatic moment because spoiler we find out that the dead body they find at that crime scene is don Cheadle's brother (laughs) but like it it really doesn't pack as much punch as i think the director and the editor thought i think and that's the theme of the whole movie i think they thought it would they thought took itself more seriously than it came across at least to me it's very professionally filmed it right. looks great <laughs> when uh the set is amazing when we move <laughs> when we move on from that though it, this is kind of where we're introduced to all the different storylines we're going to be following so we get the uh, middle eastern family who have a sh- shop somewhere in la and they're, uh, well they're buying well they're yeah they're now. wanting to buy a gun and uh, we get some why is he southern and he's in la because he's a, a gun shop owner, Mark, and only only Southern people own gun shops and lack Second Amendment rights. Yeah, that's weird. But um, and don't like any of them Arabs. They, <laughs> it gets ramped up to where the guy straight up calls him uh, Osama, 
and uh, that's pretty touchy thing to say because this is this is filmed like supposed to be around like 2004 so this is a post 9-11 iraq invasion world we're living in and like every single scene in this movie is just they're just talking about race like it's just in your face and i know that's kind of the point of the movie but just the tone that it's setting in these first few scenes it's like every scene after that mirrors that yeah there's not a scene i can think of that they're not just either talking about racism or being racist and yeah and that, and that's a good point because i think how high they keep racism in this movie that like the racist tension and the racist just rhetoric so this movie is just shy of two hours and it feels like four oh, yeah. solely because the amount of racism is exhausting and i don't mean that in the sense of like oh i just don't want to think about it anymore yeah. i just mean it in the sense of like <laughs> It's just always at 11 in this movie, and uh, you need some sort of yeah, break. It's like, what's a racial stereotype thing that we haven't said yet out loud? Have someone in the scene say it. Yeah, yeah they definitely wanted to color, cover all their bases with their racism. Like, this is a terrible connection to make, but so Transformers 2. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, follow me. <laughs> follow good, me good down start. this bridge. <laughs> I promise I, I, you'll see where I'm going. Shia LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf. No. In Transformers 2, one of my biggest complaints when I left was that I like almost fell asleep during most of the action scenes because there was never a break. Yeah. It was, it was just action. action scenes at 11, just constantly robots flying everywhere. And while robots fighting is nowhere near as important <laughs> as racism and racial issues in America. Nice. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to say it was that same feeling of like we need a break so when it ramps back up again, we'll feel something. There was no one there to talk or like explain what was going on or like have that dialogue that didn't have to be with the audience, but like have a dialogue with someone about how racism's bad. Right. And like it doesn't challenge you. It's no. just saying racism is bad. Racism and, is and bad. And I would challenge everyone to say that all the characters in this movie leave this movie the same way they entered. Well, that's the thing they're trying to do is similar to American History X, where they're trying to point out that racism is a cycle. And they're trying to do this thing where it's not one race's fault. It's everyone responds to each other with racism, and that continues the cycle. Which I get, but it's it, like, uh, when it's just up at 11 and you don't have a single character that's trying not to be that way. I guess you could say the Middle Eastern man's daughter she doesn't really do anything racist in the movie, but we don't follow her enough to have her she's be not this a, like light of hope. She's a potential voice of reason, doesn't use that exactly. voice. Like they don't use her. She could be the one that bridges the whole Ooh, I could also say Michael uh Hina's character could have been as well. Because yeah. he doesn't do anything he's, racist. He's not he is the only one that is purely a victim. Right. He's just discriminated against and is doesn't do anything wrong. And he still gets affected by it, which, you know, I get what they're going with that. But again, like we were saying, could have been a voice reason. And like a big reason we want to watch movies is we want to see characters change because well, of they conflict. Try. They, and they they don't. None he, of the characters really change. So uh, maybe Sandra Bullock, well, but that's a stretch. Well, and even and, maybe Matt Dillon because he saved someone in a freaking burning car. But like not re- Right, <laughs> right. It, like yeah. any normal person would respond, hopefully, to someone in need. It's just none of the, you know, like, oh, Maria, you're my closest friend. It's like, but you pay her to, like, bring you groceries. You know, so you realize you're a she's lonely just, suburbanite. Her story ends up being just that she's an unhappy housewife. And, and she that's takes why it she's out racist. racistly. Yeah. Which is not why people are racist. 
No. Because they're lonely. <laughs> I don't know. But, oh gosh, we got way off track we on did. my attempt to start summarizing. But yeah, so like we said, it was the <laughs> Middle Eastern man. Trying to buy a gun. Trying to buy a gun. It ends up going poorly. Yeah, the, they get bullets, and she's like, I just want those. He's like, you know what type of bullets they are? Right, right. <laughs> the daughter has to end up buying them to calm everybody down because the store owner and the her father are back and forth at each other. Then after that, we get Ludacris uh, and his friend, who is ends up being Don Cheadle's brother. Uh, did we ever catch his character's name? I'm sure we did. But um, <laughs> they're leaving a restaurant, and Ludacris is complaining about that they had you know an hour long wait because they were black, and he's he's basically a conspiracy. I don't want to say conspiracy theorist because that sounds a little too harsh, but he's taking everything racially to a racial extent. It's all he talks about. Like, I don't know how his friend is still his friend. Right. Like, that would be exhausting. His friend calls him out on it, too, because he's like, and, you know, it's because they don't think that we'll tip. And he's like, well, what did you tip her? And he's like, well, I'm not going to tip up for service like that. And it starts like, <laughs> yeah, it starts making and he laughs. And this is not the only time he laughs and doesn't explain why he's laughing. But he laughs because it's like, oh, see, you're living up to the stereotype. Right. And then they're talking. It's like Sandra Bullock and Brendan Fraser walking down the sidewalk. And then like she sees them and she hugs Brendan Fraser's arm. She's a little scared. She sees two black guys walking down the street. And Ludacris is like, see that? She's scared. She's being racist because she sees us. It's like, what? We're we're supposed to be afraid in this nice neighborhood, you know. Like we're two black people in a predominantly white neighborhood. What they think we're gonna rob them? He's like, no. He's like, why why aren't we afraid? And then his friend, you know, is like, because we have guns. He's like, yeah, because we have guns. And then they go and they rob Brendan Fraser and Sandra Bullock. First right. twist they, of the movie. Uh, they carjack him and uh, his overcaffeinated white people. Overcaffeinated white people. Direct quote from the film. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's how we're introduced to. Our another storyline we're going to be following of you know Brendan Fraser and Sandra Bullock. We find out Brendan Fraser is the district attorney of L.A. and he introduces himself that way, like Adam Sandler did in Grown Ups. <laughs> it's like yeah. very obvious where he's where on he's the phone. Like, like, I'm the district attorney. Of LA. I have to keep my phone on me. I'm the district. <laughs> like I want him to look at the camera. <laughs> yeah. and do it. I'm the district. Did you catch that, attorney. America? Like. <laughs> They do the like uh, character name thing underneath. It just is like district attorney. Yeah, it's like, oh my gosh, racism <laughs> penetrates even that level of government? <laughs> I would say in terms of subtle racism, his storyline shows like at the start, I'm not saying later, at the start, it does show the one of the real problems of racism that I personally believe when he's talking to his advisors about how they're supposed to handle the situation and he says... Um, you know, I'm supposed to be the dis- I'm the district attorney. I'm supposed to be tough on crime. So no matter how we explain this, because the two men that robbed me were black, I'm either going to lose the black vote or I'm going to lose the people who want me to be tough on crime or like, you know, law and safety. And how he talks about it is the ignorant racism that where he doesn't realize that he's saying. But what is his solution? No, well, his solution this is what I'm is getting straight at. Up. He needs to. Yeah. That. Oh, he, we we brush up against nuance but we never push in but what i'm getting at is like with that he says i need to pin a medal on a a black hero yeah to help with the press and when he names somebody we find out that he's not that guy that is iranian is iranian and brendan fraser says oh he looks black and it's one of those things like his name is saddam yeah and his name's saddam but that's one of those things where i think that is the most common form of racism in America where it's people just making blatant assumptions like that. 
and I agree how it's delivered is over heavy handed, but that's kind of the problem with the whole movie. But I think at its core, that's what this movie should have been about. Yeah. Agreed. Not this storyline, but how they address this issue. Right. Because that is a problem. But yeah, and Sandra Bullock is uh, all frantic about being robbed too. And this is when we're introduced okay. to Michael uh, Pina because he is... A locksmith. Yeah, he's a locksmith and he's changing out the locks on all the doors. And um, he has a shaved head and some tattoos. So Sandra Bullock assumes he's a gangbanger. And uh, we find out he is not. It's a family man. He's yep. maybe the best dad ever. Mm-hmm. I want him to be my dad. <laughs> right, right. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and uh, Sandra Bullock releases her first spout of racism because while he's changing the locks, she goes and finds Brendan Fraser and says, I want the locks changed again in the morning. And this time, find a, try not to hire a gangbanger. Yeah, you don't think he's going to go and make copy and give uh, keys to his homies? Yeah, and to be... <laughs> How she says the next line after that of like, oh, because Brendan Fraser tries to defend him like a gangbanger. You mean that kid in there? Like, he doesn't see it that way. And uh, she says, okay, well, why don't you and your amigo go have drinks? Or yeah. I was like, wow, that's pretty weird. <laughs> <laughs> how she said that was actually like made me chuckle because like that's like, how do you not hear what you're saying? I would, <laughs> and this is just, oh, man, the movie's full of these interactions where, like, if I'm talking to somebody and they say the shit like that to me to my face, I would be so mad. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, Brendan Fraser just is like, ah, my wife. Just brushes it off. Yeah. 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 Can't well, live with her, can't live without her, you know what I mean? Well, yeah, so the Brendan Fraser's car or SUV getting stolen is kind of the, like, what kicks this movie off when you think about it yeah. in terms of where it's going. Um, so Ludacris and her, his friend stole a black SUV. And so we get a call that goes out on the police, obviously for a stolen car or whatever. And we're, this is where we're introduced to Matt Dillon and Ryan Phillippe's character who are LAPD cops. And uh, they see an SUV that similar to the make and model that is supposed to be stolen. But That's as not. Ryan Phillippe points out, it's not the right license plate. The driver looked mid-40s, not young teenagers. And um, so they shouldn't pull him over. But we find out Matt Dillon's a little bit of a bigot. Actually, yeah. I take that back. He's the biggest bigot. Well, they shine the light in on the car, and then they see Maeve pick her head up. And <laughs> oh, she's yeah, been up Maeve, to no good. Maeve from the hit Westworld series. Uh, that actress's name eludes me at this moment. But, yeah, it's her and Terrence Howard, and who's also in this film. And Matt Dillon's just trying to get back at Terrence Howard for how he treated him in Wayward Pines. From the future. <laughs> From the right. future. Cause they get oh, Thandie Newton. Sorry, I found her. Couldn't think of her name. It, that's Terrence Howard's no, yeah. wife. Sorry, Maeve. I didn't mean to interrupt. Oh, no, it was... <laughs> Was that going was somewhere? Done. That was the, that <laughs> yeah. was the end of the conversation. Yeah, that was it. Just wanted to uh, acknowledge that they're both in Pop Wayward culture Pines. reference. They're also in Wayward Pines together. <laughs> I should have done I'm it that sorry. way. <laughs> Would you like to continue talking about the hit TV show, Wayward Pines? <laughs> Not really. I... <laughs> Good. Okay, so back to this movie. They're pulling over. Yeah, they're getting them, or they're pulling them over. And uh, basically, it's a classic. Kind of what I mean, you hear about stuff like this all the time of, you know, like a cop, no matter what city you hear about a cop being too handsy or aggressive when pulling over a person of like just any minority, really. And uh, so that ends up being Matt Dillon's character. He fills up, 
feels up uh, Maeve there. And uh, well, you'd be surprised where he's found weapons stashed before. Oh yeah, she's that's no such robot inappropriate either. content. And she's and like I'm not defending what the co- what Matt Dillon does, but it's the whole thing of Terrence Howard's trying to be cooperative. He's uh, he's not doing anything wrong, so he's being very cooperative. And then Tilda Swinton's not Tilda Swinton. Why did I call her Tilda <laughs> Swinton? Ooh. Oh. She's better looking than that. But uh, <laughs> you just keep uh, Thandie Newton's character, Christine, keeps mouthing off to the cop because she knows what they're doing right now doesn't make any sense. And then it escalates the situation and they have to do the pat down and whatnot. And uh kind of ruins everybody's night because now Ryan Philippe has just been witness to an illegal search. A crime. A crime. And then um, for the rest the of the movie, so. Terrence Howard and his wife are distraught about the situation. And for the next uh, 30 hours. Right. And like w- we follow them from this stop and we kind of find their story a little bit. And I just don't like that then their argument turns into, to like, I don't even know how else to say it, but they get in an argument about who... Is has, blacker? Yeah, who has... Who's uh, whiter? Yeah, who has had a more black childhood and who's had a more white childhood. And it's weird. And... Uh, but they don't... And it doesn't really explore it that much either. Like, I right. think that's an interesting that's an in, yeah, like topic. A, and it's just kind of left at... They're mad at each other, so that's what they're yelling about. But it's not a motivation. There's nothing more to it than... Just yeah. being like, uh, oh, wake up, dude. You're black. Didn't you know? Are you afraid that they're going to find out that you're black? Yeah, their whole argument's very weird to me. Again, And then she's super racist to him. I, I think it's, again, it's a, like something this story, this movie could have been about. Like, all these storylines, I think, could have been separate movies that deal with racism in a more nuanced way actual conversational way they try to do too much yeah it's Mm -hmm. them trying to cover so many stories they leave out the part where we learn something from it Mm -hmm. and it ends up just being a caricature mess yeah it's all they're allowed to be but from there we get to see michael penne go home to his family and this is honestly my favorite scene in the whole movie and it made him it made me want him to be my dad (laughs) Because he, he comes home and uh, he sees the light in his daughter's room's on. He goes in and she's not in her bed. And uh, he realizes she's underneath the bed. And she's sleeping under there because she heard a loud bang. And she thought it was another gunshot. Because in the last neighborhood they lived in, a bullet went through her window. And uh, so she's scared. And I love he makes a joke about when he goes down, he's like, oh, no, are there monsters in the closet? Like. I don't like monsters. <laughs> and he's and like, Dad. She, yeah. Even she's like, monsters aren't real. But so and this is this is a great moment too. And I do I do like this scene a lot because it's sad that her little innocence has been stolen where she doesn't believe in monsters in the closet or under the bed or anything anymore because she knows real monsters. Right. She's exist. more afraid of a the bullet, of a bullet through her. You know, like yeah. of a sound that's it should to normal, you know, people not exposed to guns all the time sound like a car or a firework. But to her, it's like it sounded like a gunshot. That's tragic. Yeah, that is very tragic. And we get this cute little story of uh, Michael Penne saying his mom gave him or a fairy came through his window and made him a magic cape that was invisible, that was impenetrable. And uh, 
he's like, oh, I can't believe I forgot. He, she gave me one rule, and I'm supposed to give it to my daughter. And uh, so he does this cute scene of like putting on a pretend invisible cape and everything. It was it was, it was the cute, most heartwarming yeah. part of the whole movie. Yeah, I, I, was I like, agree. I agree. It was very. I was like, oh my gosh. We always make fun of dads in the movies we talk about. <laughs> and for once, like we get a movie dad. Yes. That's incredible. So thank you, Crash, <laughs> for bringing you, us Crash. this. Yeah. Maybe not Saving opening my eyes to racism, but man. Saved our gender. great paternal. Oh, yeah. Great character. father figure in a movie about <laughs> chaos and he's just racism. He's literally doing the best that he can. Oh, man. That was a pretty cool good. fort that she had built, too. Yeah. That was very elaborate. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so he puts her to bed or whatever and on top of the bed gets her to feel safe again. And when he leaves, he gets a page. I I mean, this makes sense, but I'm surprised that a locksmith like that would be on call. Yeah. So, you know, he's got to head out back to the middle of the night. Um, and then from there, we catch up with what Ludacris and his friend are doing in the stolen car. And uh, <laughs> talking about racism, <laughs> talking about racism, because what else is this going to talk about? I actually laughed. At this part, just because it was the hip hop is the music of the oppressor, and I want to point out that Ludacris, a award winning hip hop artist, said that. Yeah. Do you think he laughed? Like, do you think there are outtakes in this film where it's him just laughing at that line? <laughs> like, <laughs> I think it was uh, Im- improvised. Do you? <laughs> and they just kept it in. That's his improv. He's like, the whole I'm gonna, movie I'm gonna was take improvised. This, I'm going to take the script for a ride if it's okay. <laughs> Luda. Yeah, give me a beat. Give me a take. <laughs> give me a take. Let's go. Right. But then they get just an argument about music, and it's it's more of Ludacris's character pointing out that everything in this world is racist against somebody. Da, da, da. And uh, while they're having this conversation, they hit somebody. And they have a whole conversation about a, a Chinaman, their term, uh, being stuck under the car. So, and I, he was my least favorite character, Ludacris's oh, character. Oh, Ludacris. I was like, the, the guy under the, the car? China. <laughs> no, no. Was like, He's not China? He's not Chinese? <laughs> well, just that, how every scene he's talking about racism. and Yeah, how, it gets annoying. And then he runs over the guy and is obviously racist himself. Yeah. Um, so the irony there, I don't know. I just... He's just kind of like a character that you don't want to see a lot of. Yeah, and you end up seeing a lot of him. Uh, but they end up, you know, I guess doing the right thing as much as you can in this situation. Drop besides, him off at the hospital. Besides, <laughs> yeah, besides turning yourself in. Um, I do yeah. the line that I did chuckle when his friend was like, because he's like, you know, what if we move and he lets go? He's like, I feel like if he could let go, he would have done that half a block back. Oh, yeah, because they drag him <laughs> under the car by yeah. accident. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that made me laugh. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, and so they drop him off at the hospital, and it turns into a whole thing of the guy, the the fence or the chop shot they were taking the car to won't take it because there's blood in the car and all that. So they have to go back out to try to find another car. And uh, from there... Where do we? Where did? Where did it go from there? Oh no! Have from there, it's Don Cheadle making love to his white he, girlfriend. Well, <laughs> who isn't? He's, white. He's have he is having sexual relations with his police partner because that's not a trope we see enough in movies. Um, and he gets a phone call and is talking to his mom. Uh, how he ends the phone call with "I'm having sex with a white woman" and hangs up is pretty <laughs> funny. And then we find out she's not a white woman. Her mother's from Puerto Rico. And her father is from El Salvador. So, 
Don, Don Cheadle, Cheadle being racist. No, <laughs> like, who taught them to park their cars on their lawn? Is what he said. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh, my That's not gosh. my joke. Yeah. <laughs> okay. When I remember, <laughs> I just remember thinking that how that scene seemed like it was going to play out was that they were each going to make little racial jabs at each other as some sort of weird, messed up like joke they have between themselves, each other. Clearly, that wasn't the case because she was rather offended, and uh, she leaves and. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because we missed. I guess I jumped over. Yeah. Don Cheadle's storyline is they're investigating a, a police uh, on yeah. police shooting, where one undercover cop shot another undercover cop. And who shot who? What was the respective race? Oh, yeah. So a white vice cop shot a black undercover cop, and uh, it's a you know who who did what? He said he said kind of scenario. Well, he said he did. Well, he said scenario. he did. No witnesses. <laughs> yeah. And so that's what they're investigating because, you know, it's racial. And um, that's when we, like, I don't know if this is the first time, but maybe this was the straw that broke the camel's back for me. They keep playing this weird song throughout the movie that's like, oh. Yeah, yeah the operatic. Yeah. The music for any was dramatic scene that comes in. Trying to tell you how to feel. They were very, yeah. It's, it's super over the top. And I, like, they're... There are movies that do that, and I don't even notice because the situation that it's having, like you don't think about it because everything that's happening in the movie is so emotional. The music just adds to it and blends into the background, even though if you listen to it by itself, it's super epic and over the top. But this movie, like nothing's happening, and then it's this huge operatic music, and you're like, I guess I'm supposed to feel something. Yeah, it kind of works. I was like, oh. (laughs) It's like suddenly... Suddenly, I'm so feeling wonderful. all these emotions, and I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> just sitting there You're thinking just, that I'm emotional. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why. But uh, those, sorry, and the transitions as well, like oh between yeah, the, the storylines, they would like close a door, and then it would be the other storyline, and yeah, it's kind of they jump between the storylines so sporadically. Like after that weird, you know, Don Cheadle scene, we just go to. Brendan Fraser walking around the courthouse, and he's being explained the case that Don Cheadle's investigating. And um, they're trying to go over the the causes. And I laugh because his question to his assistant is, um, I think the first question is something along the lines of, like, do we have any witnesses? And the next one's like, do we think it's racially motivated? And all I, I, all I wrote down was, according to this movie, it has to be. Because, <laughs> like, the movie's been going on for, like, 30 minutes now. I think it's a safe guess to assume that, Everything that's happening in this movie is racial at this point. Uh, but yeah, that's super fun. And uh, from there, we go to. Are we in the um, back in the Parisian shop? Persian. We shop. haven't gotten back to that yet. Well, with no. him fixing oh, yeah. the lock and being like, "You need to fix the door. The door oh, is broken. It's not I don't a lock think, thing." Uh, yeah, I think I skipped over that by accident. Thank you. Um, yeah, because he goes. Yeah, Michael Pena's character goes to fix the lock that's the back door to these the Middle Eastern family shop, and he's trying to explain to the Middle Eastern man, who uh, clearly doesn't speak English very well, he has to have his daughter translate a lot, and um, he's trying to explain to him that it's not the lock's problem, the door doesn't fit right or something like that, so it's not going to lock. And uh, he thinks the guy's trying to, the Middle Eastern man's trying to think, or thinks that Michael Pinna is cheating him out of money 
and not fixing the lock, but still charging him. And yeah, and then he like has a friend that fixes doors, and he, he was like, "I don't have a friend that fixes doors." <laughs> yeah, and it, it's a whole thing that gets blown out of proportion. So Michael Pena leaves and throws his like the paper in the ground or in the trash can or whatever, and just leaves. Lets him keep the lock, and just like whatever, man. Yep. And uh, yeah, I skipped over that. My bad. Is that the first time we see the stories directly intertwine? I like, think so. Okay. Well, I guess well, technically the ludicrous, yeah, ludicrous and uh, Sandra Bullock. Like every Bernie scene Frasers. has, well, almost every scene has an interaction. A little bit mm-hmm. overlap. Yeah, there's so many storylines, so I apologize if I'm oh. missing all these. They just keep cutting into each other, Don't which apologize. is the pacing is one of the things that is probably the most frustrating to me. And that's weird to say in a movie about racism <laughs> <laughs> to be like the most frustrating thing this movie approaches. Is it's oh, own editing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It just shows editing. that it didn't do what it set out to accomplish, in you at yeah. least. That's a, that's mm. a good point. And that's why it's a dud. Hmm. Yeah. End, end of the episode. But at one point we go back to Terrence Howard, who's on the set. I guess it doesn't say a movie or TV, but it's some sort of movie television set. And he's a director, most likely. And then uh, Tony Danza ends up being his producer. Racist producer. Yeah. Racist producer. Because they're, yeah. they're done with a take. And then Tony Danza has to explain to him that they need to do one more because He's one of the black, black characters wasn't yeah. speaking black enough. Which, I'm sorry, that's not... I don't get that at all. <laughs> like, well, you, you weren't watching the TV show. You wouldn't get it as a white person, Mark. Oh, but... I mean, if I was watching, when I watch The Wire, if I see Idris Elba's character say something in a full sentence and not have any slang, I'm not going, what the fuck is this? He's <laughs> pretending to be white? He's like, is that a white man out there? <laughs> no, he's just speaking. <laughs> I thought that was Idris Elba, but he speaks. Like, I don't know. That I think that's one of the things that stuck out to me is a... I, again, because we're not in that business, so maybe it does happen... But that's one that it was really hard for me to relate to where I'm like, that I don't that I, I don't guess, track that logic. I guess the example would be, you know, let's take the wire. Would a gangbanger be very convincing to you if, you know, they are rational and they're not you know, if they're like, hand over the money, I need it now. Don't make me do anything you would regret. Kind of a really dry white delivery. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, like, a weird Shakespearean delivery there, but... Yeah, you know, like, there are those stereotypical soundscapes, I guess. Um, but it's because they're stereotypes well, which are racist. Well, I guess I guess what Tony Danza should have done, even though apparently this was done just to show that he is a racist, but I guess if I was trying to get that approach across, I would say what Tony Danza said second, which was the character is supposed to be uneducated. So... Uh, like make him stumble more with his words or use words that don't necessarily create a full sentence. Yeah, don't say he doesn't sound black. Yeah, because that's just awful. Yep. Because <laughs> that's not a thing. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think... And Oh my, just one more example of this movie saying something that is obviously bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, over... And again, not challenging. Heavy-handed. The not, audience. Yeah, challenging. Because I was hoping this would be... Terrence Howard's character's point where he stands up and is like, I'm sorry, what did you say? No, you know what I mean? Like, stood up to him, but... He's the character I wanted to like, but never could. Yeah, he I was, agree with he that. He was kind that's of a, frustrating. That's a great way to put that. He's the character you want to like, but yet it, nothing happens to where you like him. 
And I think it's also the same with Ryan Philippe, where you want mm-hmm. him to be a character that you like because he's just trying to survive in this ridiculous, you know, situations. But well, then Ryan, they do the same thing where yeah. it's like, oh damn His it, I wanted to like him. Ryan Philippe's character I think shows the thesis of this movie and it's you can't beat it. You just can't beat racism. You just have to go with the flow. You have to do your personal best. <laughs> well, no, like in and no, his personal best isn't good enough. Well, uh, well, like it really it really is just like I racism took... is a wave. You can't uh, you can't actually fight against it in any way imaginable, like legally, personally, like you do what you can and it's still going to I don't know. I took Ryan Philippe's character as more of a cuz his character seemed to me like he was supposed to be a character that tried really hard to not be racist and then it was a whole oh my gosh maybe I I'm just as bad as the people I'm judging for being racist is I think was their attempt I'm not saying that's what came across I would but that's what I even, read is their attempt even when uh you know the scene where it's like oh my gosh he too is racist that scene itself it's not that racially motivated to me like the dude was acting weird and not explaining himself. You're gonna sit in a in a stranger's car and laugh uncontrollably and not explain yourself. Like it's already weird. Like you know, I I have never picked up a person that is hitchhiking. Yeah, I'll never pick up a hitchhiker. Yeah, yeah because you just don't know. That. And I don't think that's <laughs> seeing that. <laughs> but like, I don't think that's you being racist or like prejudiced or whatever. It's just like you need to take care of yourself, and so you don't just pick up random strangers. But he picked up a random stranger and then the random stranger is acting pretty weird. And instead, and he's laughing because he too has like the St. Christopher. Christopher. Yeah. little statue. Why not say that that's what you're laughing about? Yeah. It's, it's weird to get us back into the and summary. It's, and it's not like Ryan Felipe did not call him out for everything that was going on. He knew he hadn't gone ice skating. He still shouldn't have saying. shot him. Yes, ultimately, knowing that he wasn't going for a gun or whatever, but like, I'm, th- that situation in and of itself wasn't as damning to Ryan Felipe as I think its intent was to be. Mm. But I mean, we'll, we'll come back on that. Scene. Yeah. So yeah, we did the Terrence Howard thing. The next is we find uh, Oh Maeve comes and tries to. Oh yeah, tries to apologize, and he's not having because he's having an awful day, mm-hmm. and uh, they kind of have a more of a breakdown in their relationship, and then we catch back up with Matt. Dylan, not yeah, Matt Dylan, yeah. and uh, wild he, things, <laughs> wild things, and uh, he's pines. trying to <laughs> again with wayward vines, <laughs> but yeah, he's trying to talk to his insurance agency about his father's medical problems and can't pee, can't pee, and the doctor says it's a urinary tract infection. All well, all that nonsense that doesn't matter. The point is, he talks to this woman. Who says her name? Shaniqua. Shaniqua. And he goes, of course it is. Of course it is, which, mm. yep, Matt Dillon's racist. And uh, that challenges me to name my daughter Shaniqua. <laughs> Why? <laughs> to push back on that. Because then, right. then you, in that you scene. Take, you take the stand you want to well, take. Like, that's I mean, the thesis of this movie. You can't beat it, but you can do your little part. You know. I think we have to try. To. You shouldn't not try. I'm gonna push past this because yeah, this yeah. is gonna get this is gonna get bad. The <laughs> but from there we find out, you know, the Middle Eastern man's store was robbed, 
And, um, and they wrote Arab on the wall. Yeah, they're, they're not even Arabs. They're Persians. Persians. And uh, that's really sad. Racist. Because he getting, didn't get his door replaced. Yeah, because right. he didn't get his door replaced, so they were able to break in. And then... He that, thinks. Yeah, he thinks it was the it, that it was Michael Pena. Yeah, the gangbangers. Yeah, the gangbangers came back. And uh, that's the whole thing, because insurance is not going to pay for that because they didn't get the door fixed. Then Don Cheadle, we cut to Don Cheadle, who's swinging by his mom's house. We find out is a heroin addict. And... Um, I don't know. I, I like. I feel like a lot of Don Cheadle's backstory is just for the purpose of the shock value. Feeling of, sorry. Yeah, feeling sorry for him that his brother's dead at the end, but and that again, he's unappreciated by just, his mom. Again, if this movie was more toned down overall, I probably would have felt something. Mm-hmm. But there's so much shit going on. There's in a this lot movie more to be that, concerned with. Yeah, that I'm like, I'm having a hard time divvying out my feelings <laughs> amongst yeah. these characters. There's a must, There's enough dislike. It's like, I don't like this either. <laughs> and I don't like this just as much. And I'm exhausted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> two hours of that. I mean, it's start to finish. There's no break. No. Right. And it's, it's just, it keeps going from that. But yeah, it's, um, we get a quick little bit too of Ryan Philippe's finally had enough with Matt Dillon. And uh, once a solo car, and we learn how racism in the LAPD works, where it's kind of like just this thing of we have to accept it, which Ryan Philippe's can't decide if he wants to take a stand on, which is what I was getting at where I think they were trying to come across is he wants to think that he's not racist, but he's not willing to take a stance. You know what I mean? Well, it sounds like he would have no support in that situation either. That's true. Because he's know. like, you're going to put my career his career and your career on the line. Yeah. Like, you know how long it took someone like me, you know, because the, yeah, the lieutenant the racist of the LAPD. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, you just sound like a terrible person too. Yeah. But from this, Ryan Philippe gets a solo car because he had to, he's flatulent. Yeah. He had to use uncontrollable <laughs> flatulence as his excuse. So he could get a solo car. Um, and so he could lose his... He didn't want to be partners yeah, with yeah, Matt yeah. Dillon. I, I did like that clip, though, where Ram Philippe is like, I'm not comfortable with that, meaning you know, I'm not comfortable with using that as an excuse to get a solo car. And then the guy was like, yeah, I wouldn't be comfortable with that uh, inconvenience that, either. Yeah, that either, you know. Uncontrollable gas. Yeah, uncontrollable gas would be terrible. That's pretty funny. <laughs> There's yeah. some humor. That's probably the only funny part of the whole movie, right? Yeah. Yeah, probably. Yeah. I probably laughed at some things I shouldn't have laughed at. Not like racist things necessarily, but no, just it probably was just it's some of the way. So, yeah. Just some of the way things are done in this movie is yeah. Crazy. White Savior Matt Dillon incoming, right? Yeah, but before right, White Savior Matt Dillon, uh, we get a break in the the cop shooting a cop case where we find out that not only the the black cop that was sh- that is dead, uh, not only was there like there's money in a tire. A ton. And uh, that Don Cheadle believes that he was coked up. And so it's looking like that cop fired first. And so that the the white cop is, you know, not, we don't know what really happened, but is looking more justified in what happened. And um, so that's a big twist. And then it comes to Matt Dillon's in his own car and uh, he's driving up the interstate and there was a crash, title drop. A lot of crashes in this movie. A lot of crashes. And a car slipped over, and another car's on fire, and he goes to get the person out of the car that's in the flipped car, and who is it? Maeve. 
Maeve. Christine. It's Thandie Newton from uh, Ter- well, Terrence Howard's wife, who he had molested earlier in the film. He, he didn't thinks she was him. in a good, like a state where she would be able to recognize him and process all of that. No, I, mean, I don't know. John, I'm, don't you understand? It was There's just. Se- there are seven people in Los Angeles. It, and I was, was saying that earlier. <laughs> the assault was just last night, John. Yeah. This right. Is, no. I, I. Yeah. I understand. Would that. you I'm not? Saying would you the not state remember? She was, in. Uh, she was upside down in a car. But you. Well, yeah. She didn't recognize like, him at first, but then she. They, they were close enough where they could have kissed okay. at one point. Like you would take recognize them. take the music out of this scene because <laughs> it's way. Yeah, I don't know what, what would be left. <laughs> but know? if you take the mu- music out of it and make some sort of more subtle background music or whatever, this is actually a great scene. Like, I think they both are, It's they both act so well. Like, it's what's, very well acted together the, and it's... It was shot well. It was, it was shot very well. What's the point of this scene? What is its purpose in okay. this movie? So I think the point is, I'm not saying I agree with this. I'm not saying I disagree with this. I think the point is... That it's supposed to show how complicated, like racism is. Where it's Matt Dillon up to this point is a savage bigot and a savage racist. But when push comes to shove, he doesn't care about race. He's going to save the person's life. And it's you know it's that it's supposed to be approaching it in my opinion from a more complicated angle of like you know just because this person's racist doesn't mean he doesn't. Think we're, that race that person see, like, is worthless. This is almost, we're all humans. It's yeah. almost more damning to me though on him. Where like, yeah, he doesn't want someone to die, but he's not afraid to ruin someone's life by assaulting them. You know, and like to where she's in a position to once again be at his mercy. You know, like she's pow- she's been powerless in both situations, and she just like has to rely on him now. Like for her, it's it's no coming around. Like it's weird. Now, yeah, I I agree that it's it's part of the he's problem with this whole movie. Is this that is not a good scene message. for him. You yeah. know, like yeah, he saved someone's life. Cool, big deal. He's still a terrible person. Like this is not a redemptive scene. Yeah, at the end of the day, he is still acting like a terrible person, and he is someone. That I'm not necessarily saying this moment. Oh, because he could have this his character. If you were to look at this movie, each storyline in a vacuum could have been an overarching. I say redemption lightly, but more of a ends with him starting to change. You know what I mean? And again, this is a storyline that because it's mixed in with seventy different storylines, it doesn't get the time it deserves to flesh out this situation. To make it a learning experience of racism exists and like how complicated the issue is and just all that, but instead we just get a Matt Dillon Caesar and then like the next time we don't really see Matt Dillon after that, like well because so this was after he went and visited Shaniqua in person. Oh yeah, and then he talks about her being like an affirmative action type of employee, right? Because we do learn his backstory a little bit, and it's that his dad business basically got forced out because of um, business loans and tax breaks being given to minority owned businesses within his field. I think he said he was a janitor (laughs) of some sort or he owned a custodian company. I don't know. Uh, It was a pretty weak background for racism in my opinion, but um, yeah, it was was weird. But after, (laughs) but after he saves her, am I wrong? Does Matt 
Dylan doesn't come back. We just see him at the end once again in the bathroom with his dad, with his arm on his shoulder. Right, just trying to help his dad. Wrapping everything up. Yeah. But again, because like that could have been a post that moment, because he does save her. And uh, and then we get the scene where he's just standing and like the car's burning to the left and he's just standing there and the music's like, racism still. (laughs) (laughs) Do you feel something yet? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, <laughs> wow. But yeah, I, I just think it's weird that we never come back to that. Because like I was saying, it could have been a post that situation. Like, how much more powerful would it have been if either he goes to Terrence Howard's house after that incident or goes back to Shaniqua and approaches it from a different situation? Not fully redeemed, but like he almost did it in his visit where he like, listen, I know I'm a prick. I know I'm an asshole. But if... He did it again. It goes back and approaches it from almost a life-changing experience kind of moment of him having saved this person and understand, learn something from that moment, I guess. It could have been more of a redemptive arc of like, oh, maybe racist people can change a little bit. They're not necessarily good people, but maybe there's hope that they don't always have to be that way. But again, it's just he saves them. We don't see him again. Uh, whatever. From there, we move on to Don Cheadle is basically coming to talk to the DA about the two cops killing each other. And uh, they want Don Cheadle to say that the white cop killed the black cop because he was black. And so they could just put this away, blame it on that guy. And they, so they want him to say Greedo shot first. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I was actually thinking about that through the oh, who shot yeah. first. Wow. <laughs> Thanks, Alexa. The uh but uh Don Cheadle's torn about it and we get another whole racial conversation, which I think is an important conversation that they have. Like I think well, I forgot that actor's name, but the assistant district attorney that's talking to him to Don Cheadle about the whole situation, I think I, I don't necessarily agree with the points he's making, but he does bring up points of he's talking about like he has these leaders of black communities calling in asking for justice. And you know what I mean? Like he's getting pressure from that side. And uh, there's already been so many incidences like this that they can't have another, you know, oh, blame it on the black guy kind of situation. But it's the truth. No, no. And that's what I'm getting at is like I. I think the truth should always prevail, but the conversation they're having is a real one. So sure. like not to get too much into this, but like it's very similar to a lot of stuff that's kind of happening now where if anything involving a white cop and uh someone of a minority happens, it's instantly a tinderbox. No matter what the situation was, it could be that the cop was coked out of his mind and corrupt off of, you know, super corrupt, da-da-da, was trying to rob this guy and shot him. People will, you know, go crazy defending the cop and go to crazy defending the kid. It just sets up like this tinderbox of emotions, and everyone's gonna destroy each other. So I do understand this conversation. I agree with a hundred percent with you, though, Peter. It should always be the truth comes out, and that's what I was hoping this movie would say too. But no, Don Cheadle takes the offer they give him. It's his burrito of the promotion, yeah. as well as um, wasn't there something about his cleaning brother. his brother's his, record? Yeah. Um, to get the warrant off and yeah stuff. to get the warrant off if he agrees to it and so Don Cheadle takes it 
And I guess that's supposed to be their message of the cycle continuing, but I don't know. That could have been a moment where the movie really like stands up for something. Uh, bothered me. I do love this next scene though. This is this is a moment I laughed at that you were saying like that I was saying you know maybe I shouldn't be laughing at this, mm-hmm. but it Terrence Howard is driving around, mm. and uh, he's just going on a drive because he's still in an emotional state, clearing his head, clearing his head, and Ludacris and his buddy try to steal him because they're driving around and or Terrence Howard's car is the same type of car that they stole earlier because that's what they're trying to find. Terrence Howard gets out of this car and kicks the shit out of Ludacris. I thought it was great. I loved it. And I guess we should point out that they didn't like shoot him or anything because earlier in the film, Ludacris had pointed out that he takes a stance and never steals from black people. Um, whatever that's supposed to mean. But I assume that's why it's supposed to be Ludacris didn't shoot him immediately. Yeah, because the only, the only reason black people steal from black people is because they're afraid of white people. Oh, that's, yeah, that's Ludacris's verbatim. thought. Verbatim. But, yeah, Terrence How- I could have watched the whole two-hour movie of just Terrence Howard slapping around Ludacris. It oh, gave yeah, me the same thing happen- happens in Hustle and Flow. <laughs> I mean, think about it. That's the end of Hustle and Flow. He goes in and beats the shit out of <laughs> Ludacris. I think Terrence Howard puts this in his contract. He's like, you're going to put me in a movie with Ludacris. I better whoop that ass. <laughs> you know, I hate that guy. <laughs> <laughs> Kind of like how Kevin James is required to wear a wetsuit in all of his. (laughs) (laughs) But this this is the part where we see that this is truly a Christmas movie because all of the Christmas decorations. Oh, yeah. It's supposed to be Christmas time. Well, supposedly one of the fun facts is in just about every scene, there's something relating to Christmas. Interesting. I wasn't on the lookout for that because I don't care about this movie. But (laughs) I was like, okay. Nice. Yeah. It was one of those things where it was in the back of my mind where I felt like, like you said, I feel like you see a couple Christmas stuff. But yeah, so after Terrence Howard beats up Ludacris, the cops are driving by and they see, you know, three guys fighting. So they pull up and then Ludacris tries to get into the car to steal it. Terrence Howard gets in the car first with Ludacris in the car and just peels off. Well, it takes Ludacris's gun too. Yeah, I love that. How he just he's smacks like, him and takes his gun away. Yeah, he's like, give me that. And he's like, give me my gun back. It's my gun now. Oh, yeah, that's it. Because he's like... Terrence Howard saying, "Get the get the hell out of my car!" And um, Ludacris like, "No, you get out of the car!" And Terrence Howard says, "This is my car." And Ludacris' like, response is, "Well, this is my gun." And he slaps him, <laughs> and takes the gun. It's, it's my, my gun, gun now. <laughs> All the the car scenes were pretty great. I thought oh, inside yeah. the Navigator. And uh, so the, yeah, we get a wild police chase, and um, they end up, you know, he ends up driving to a dead end by accident, and uh, the up? cops pull up. Ryan Philippe, along with two other cop cars, yeah. but Ryan Philippe in his solo car pulls up and guns drawn on Terrence Howard and Terrence Howard is being very threatening, you know, like antagonizing the cops. Cause I honestly, this felt to me like he was doing suicide by yeah, cop. suicide by cop. And maybe that's what Ryan Philippe's character was supposed to sense. I do, you know, Ryan Philippe did recognize him yeah. from the beginning when they stopped him. But Renfield Bay runs out and says, I know this guy, I know this guy, and calms the whole situation down. And I, this was another scene I enjoyed. And it's one of those things that made me mad what Ryan Philippe's character ends up being. Yeah. Well, because, yeah. again, it's another character that you're, these are both the characters yeah, that you want for. to like. Right. And you're like, great, this is a moment where they're both going to learn from each other mm-hmm. and go forward. And that's not what happens. But. Luckily, Ryan Philippe does defuse the situation, and uh, the cops leave. Terrence Howard 
drives, uh, starts driving home and drops Ludacris off, <laughs> who's still in the car, and uh, drops a bomb on Ludacris and just looks at him as he gets out of the car and says, you embarrass me. And, it's and very you much, embarrass yourself. Yeah, and you embarrass yourself. And it's very much in the tone of you're representing our culture and you're embarrassing us, which I think is another like really great, powerful message they could have approached this as. But there's not enough of it. Like those scenes, like Terrence Howard, I think, does incredible in this film. But so, and what I don't appreciate is who is being called out is a black person. Have I like that's fine, but I feel like that's the easiest person in this movie to call out and say you're embarrassing. Well, that's why I th- I think Ryan Philippe's character should have had that same moment with Matt Dillon. With Matt Dillon. That would have been amazing. Because again, like we were saying, these two characters are the characters you want to root for, and they're the characters that I think are set up in a perfect position to learn something about what's going on, and it sets it up perfectly in the movie where they come across each other. Like they are, you know, connected. Well, and then yeah, and then there's that again with Ryan Felipe. He's in the locker room, and he just says, "Hey, that's some black officer dude," and he just says a prick and ignores him and walks out. It's like, why is everyone just an asshole? Yeah, everyone's so angry in this movie. So um, angry, being victimized and whatnot, racism. Well, and this I, is I all do, in the span of 36 hours. So it's yeah, like, yeah. what do you think their day-to-day lives look like? I do know? want to point out something that I think is interesting. So, like, we have Terrence Howard's character go through this situation. You know, a couple hours prior, we had the situation with Terrence Howard's wife in the flipped-over car with Matt Dillon. That's a terrible accident. She's probably on her way to her hospital. Like, she seems to be fine, but, like, they're going to check her out. This is a very big deal. <laughs> Why has no one called Terrence Howard? Why has he not heard about well, I mean, this? He, she got out of the car and was walking. So. Well, they'd still take her to the hospital. Yeah, but like, if she didn't want to notify anybody. Cause I don't next know. Next time we see her, she's in a bathrobe. So. That seems like you. Uh, someone's got to contact the husband. Did you just walk it off? <laughs> oh, did your car flip over and you know you almost catch on fire? I just walk it off. It's okay. You're cool. <laughs> yeah. That's what she did. <laughs> and up you come. <laughs> and up you come. Up you come. <laughs> The yeah, after the Terrence Howard scene though, we see the Middle Eastern man who is over the limit of the hate that he and the un- injustice that has come upon him. So he grabs the gun he bought from earlier and goes and tries to find Michael Pena. And he has Michael Pena's address from, from the pay stub thing. Yeah, the pay stub thing he had left earlier. And uh, I like that we see in his dashboard. Oh, you the see phone it? book and yeah, it's circled phone. just yeah. in case you're wondering how did he find <laughs> yeah I thought that was a again heavy handed heavy lies the racism hand mm. that's the message of this film well I just thought of that I'm pretty I'm pretty deep it's yeah. poetic I'm pretty deep but uh, we see him waiting for Michael Pena to come home and he gets out of the car and uh <laughs> This Middle Eastern man runs towards him with a gun, demanding the money he stole from the store. And obviously, it's like, I don't have your money. Here's $50. But any, okay, Michael did poorly here. He asks for the van. And he goes, Well, it's not my van. I would have given him the van. Exactly. That's, yeah. You give him the van. And then you can call the cops and say, This guy robbed me at gunpoint and stole my van. Yeah, that's a good point. I think he was still trying to, like, just calm the situation down. And yeah, that's when you give him what he wants. Uh, like what you are able to give, you give. 
But that's like my one gripe with this scene. But like I think about it from Michael Pennant's perspective too. That's his job. Like his van is his ability to do his job. Yeah. So if the van's stolen, he still can't do his job. Well, that's going to be that stolen while. because he knows exactly who that guy is and where yeah, he's from. Yeah, but when I the don't, company would provide we don't him, know with that. I'm sure for him Mark, to do his Mark, job. I'm going to say I'm sure they have insurance for stuff like that. Maybe. I feel that's like not that's, the point, though. That's We're, the rule in working in like a food place. You just you let give them, it to them. Yeah, you let them rob. Oh yeah, you let them rob in the yeah that. So that's what this is. Yeah. I don't know. It's slightly. Yeah. I'm not going to get hung up on this. Either way, gunpoint, and uh, the daughter sees through the glass door and is telling his mom, oh, no, he doesn't have it. And she's like, this have is, what? This is super emotionally exploitative. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I hate this. 100%. And because she, she, so she runs out to try to protect her dad with the, the invisible like, K. I almost laughed in this scene because of how, uh, like, how much they were trying to pull on your heartstrings, I guess. Of like, like oh shit, you're about to watch this little right. girl get like blasted. you could see the movie just like <laughs> concocting this scene. Oh yeah, yeah. Really be I mean the really music sad. was going. <laughs> yeah, that too. <laughs> <laughs> and then Michael Pena's mouth is like, <laughs> and then Mrs. Michael Pena's mouth is like. <laughs> And then the Middle Eastern man is just in shock because he thinks he just murdered a child. Yeah. And uh, then we find out child's okay. You better believe that girl believes the shit out of that, that story cape. now. Oh, that cape, cape is real. <laughs> yeah, the cape. <laughs> She's like, yes, this cape works. Boom. Because her back was turned. So yeah. <laughs> so she doesn't know. Take this on the road. Right. It's going to be a one act show. Yeah. But. <laughs> But, you know, so the gun was filled with blanks because earlier in the movie when the daughter had bought the bullets, she just picked bullets. Well, she knew. Oh, she knew I they think, were blanks. I'm going to go ahead and give her the benefit of the, of the doubt that she knew oh, she was so buying Oh, so her dad wouldn't blanks. hurt somebody. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, but yeah, they were filled with blanks, so the daughter's perfectly fine. And uh, that ends up wrapping up pretty much both stories because like we see the middle eastern man later and he's crying and he says that and he says like an angel, angel stopped it well yeah that the little girl is his his angel, angel. and that he's okay now and but that and that kind of wraps so up maybe of all the characters he potentially changed i think so but I, like but I, not a lot or the you movie wants you to think you don't that he did. see anything a, I, agree, that. I agree yeah it's i'm the same just thing saying with the matt movie, dylan yeah. where you see like that they're going to go that route, maybe. but we don't see it to conclusion. Maybe. I don't know. And maybe I'm that's for the convinced. best. It was already two hours long. You know, we didn't yeah. need another. We didn't need this many well, storylines. You lines. also probably wouldn't appreciate a montage of them helping someone of a different race. You know, like, oh, I'm going to help the elderly black woman across the street, Matt Dillon said to himself as he, like, helps her across. You know, like, <laughs> no. That sounds like a fun, fun book. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a children's book. <laughs> <laughs> Matt Dillon helps the minorities. <laughs> Oh, wow. Uh, by the way, we cut back to Sandra Bullock after this. It's amazing. We had not seen her for a long time. She, or Brendan Fraser. So she's top build in this movie. She's on the cover. It's a big, like, Sandra Bullock, it and crash kind of thing. She's in the movie for five minutes. You see Brendan Fraser's dumb face longer than hers <laughs> do you really i forgot yeah. he was in the movie fun you fact like she don't... wanted to be in this movie so bad that she paid for her very own plane ticket to go to the set oh, wow. wow what a commitment what a financial burden 
Gosh. And uh, I bet you anything, it wasn't Coach. You think that's what she... she I could have flown out there to be in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I would have changed by the end of it. Well, is your name Sandra Bullock? It's no, Sandra it's, Bullock. It's Sandra. John Girdler. <laughs> <laughs> no one's going to see that Sandra. on the bill. Not right now. John paid his own way out. <laughs> John Girdler movie. in Blindside. <laughs> that's, that's like up there for fun facts like... Adam Sandler also went on a rope swing <laughs> <laughs> and wanted to put that in the movie. Sandra Bullock paid for her plane ticket. And she paid economy. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't even ride in first class. <laughs> it was one way. Because she, she actually lives in LA. Yeah. She was doing something she was, else at She the was time. going home, but <laughs> yeah. Do you think she brought that up on the set of uh, Blindside? She kept going up to the actor who played Michael Orr and was like, you know, I was in Crash. I, <laughs> I, to to help with the plight of racism, yeah. I, I paid for my own ticket. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I know what racism is. <laughs> the actor is just like, oh, please, please go away. My best friend's my maid. <laughs> <laughs> my best friend. In that movie, you know, it's tr- true to life. My my best friend's my maid. <laughs> so that's yeah. what we see in this scene, though, right? She realizes right. she has no friends. And then well, she yeah, she's calling the maid service because her maid hasn't come back in two hours. And she's trying to vent to her friend, and her friend kind of blows her off. And I, it, to be fair, I think if one of you guys called me and we're just spouting off racist shit, <laughs> like, over the phone and about... You know, oh, it's the Asian people at the dry cleaning no, I place ruining my shirt. I no, thought it was the maid service she was talking to. No, no, no. She, she was talking to her friend. Well, she calls her friend. She ta- calls Carol. Laid. Classic racist friend name. No, but no, <laughs> no. She, because she's like, it's not my fault you go through six maids a year. Oh, no, because her, her friend goes through housekeepers a lot, too. Uh, is what, that's why Brendan Fraser calls her a bitch later. Not Sandra Bullock, but the friend. I thought she was chewing out the maid service, and then she was getting existential with the maid service, and they're like, "No, that—that's why go. she says has that breakdown with her f- the yeah. friend is because she's like, she's that woman's been my friend for ten years, and she's in like disbelief about it. And uh, makes her, sense. I, this is weird, but all I could think about is the uh, her speech she gives is like, I thought I was angry about all these things, but I realized I woke up, or every day I wake up and I'm angry about this." And I don't know why. And I don't know why. That sounds like something out of Star Wars for like when someone's falling to the dark side. I just keep waking up angry, Padme. And I don't know why. It's the sand, Padme. It gets everywhere. <laughs> in my hair, in my sheets. <laughs> it's the damn sand, Padme. In my loincloth. <laughs> everywhere. Yeah, I like, again, it's just a weird forced thing. So the maid comes home, yeah, and it's... Sandra Bullock, or well, why is the maid adjusting her pillows? That seems like above and beyond. I just love the she falling. Was sick. The, oh yeah, slow mo. She's been slip. sick. Oh yeah, the whole no, because she fell, and that's why she's in the bed later. Yeah. I just put that together because she falls down the stairs, and she's like, "I've fallen and I can't get up. I'm sorry. I paid for my own ticket and <laughs> I fell down the stairs." Yeah, <laughs> those floors were. Okay, so I guess I can take back that complaint. The maid was adjusting the pillows because Sandra Bullock's supposed to be injured right now. Supposedly can't walk. And, uh, but yeah, so she hugs the maid and confesses that the maid is her best friend. And that's the end of that storyline, right? Yeah. That's the last time. And I I don't, am I supposed to take that as Sandra Bullock changed? No. Because like. I think you're supposed to take it that way. But it's not convincing. Right. Agreed. I think yeah. that's what for how atrocious what? she's been. <laughs> I think the movie thinks that it's dropping these little bombs that are like you know really impactful, but they're not. Yeah, yeah. they're not. <laughs> they're and because it, it's just 
it it it's weird. But from there, because her storyline's wrapped up, we see Ryan Phillippe driving home from long, long shift of policing. And uh, Ludacris' friend, who's been helping him the whole time, is hitchhiking up the road. Phillippe picks him up. They have kind of a weird, awkward back and forth where like both sides are misconstrued when what they're talking about. You know what I mean? Well, kind of. like So, dude gets in car... Ryan Felipe is looking him up and down. Sees like mud on his shoes. Uh, his coat is ripped, and you know he's like, well, one, it's weird that he doesn't have a destination that he's going just anywhere. And then it's like he's been doing something right, and he has. Right. He, he he just came from trying, trying to, steal to Terrence rob Howard's Terrence car. Howard's car. And then you know, like Ryan Felipe asks, like, what he's been up to, and he's like, oh, ice skating. And you know that's not true. And so, like, Ryan Philippe is now questionable on, like, what, who this guy is that's in his car. And then he, like, wrote a country song or whatever. I don't know. Maybe he did. Maybe he didn't. Well, he was referencing the racist song he wrote with a ludicrous yeah. car when he was talking about country music. And for our listeners, this is the scene Peter was talking about earlier. Yeah. Just oh, yeah, to yeah. clarify. Yeah, but, like, so I, I, I really, and then... Uh, Don Cheadle's bro looks up and sees the St. Christopher thing and he starts laughing. He's like, oh man, that's so funny. And he's like, what's so funny? And he's like, oh, people. And it's like, no, it's not people. It's You're laughing that he has the St. Christopher statue that you have. Why not say that? Why be so mysterious? But so the Ryan Felipe thinks he's laughing at him because he's white or whatever. You know, something weird. He's listening to country music and it's like, no, that's not it. And then Ryan Felipe's like, well, you know what? You know, this is... Uh, he's uncomfortable. I want you to get out of my car, you know? And like the guy's like, no, I'm not going to get out of your car. Why don't you just keep driving? It's like, but ah, I don't know. I, I also think it's, it was bad form of Ryan Philippe that he should have, when the, he refused to get out of the car, Ryan Philippe should have legitimately just said, listen, I'm a police officer. You need to get out of my car. Like, that's your point of authority right there. You don't have to immediately jump to like, I'm going to shoot you. Yeah, but he didn't jump to I'm going to shoot you. He, he shoots him. He does, but... I'm, well, I'm just saying, you're pointing out things that the guy could have done. I'm just saying there are things yeah. Ryan Philippe could have sure. done. Sure. I'm just saying it wasn't It wasn't like a, a completely innocent interaction where like he was shot for absolutely no reason. Like Ryan Philippe being a cop was able to discern that this guy was doing stuff earlier you know up to no good he was not like this was not a misjud it was in the moment a misjudgment on this guy it wasn't a misjudgment on that person because he was a bad guy like he had a warrant out for his arrest yeah we had he's like you want to see what i'm laughing about and he's like getting into his pocket like say i have the same thing too look I don't like, know. Yes, the shooting thing, not well, great. And it's also, uh, Ryan Philippe had multiple moments to, while he was giving him instructions of like, keep your hands where I can see you, just say you're a fucking cop. That'll or shut just, this guy up. He could have just pulled the gun and not shot him. Well, that's yeah. what I was going to add too, is what, like, what, it might just come down to editing, and this might not have been the initial intention, but it's it's not Ryan Philippe pulls out the gun and like, stop. It's literally like, hip fire pull out. Mm-hmm. Like he immediately jumps to just shoot him, and that's 
not how it police escalated. Are tra- yeah. yeah, very quickly. Police oh, are not supposed to fire first I just, like that. I just don't. I just don't like that scene. Well, I agree. They could have done it's it. It's not convincing me that Ryan Felipe is racist. Like it's just not. You know, like because we we know and what we have that most people don't have in these kind of situations is the knowledge of who these two people are before and after this scene. Well, one of them being dead afterwards. But like we know that this guy is no good. And like you're like, yeah, Ryan Felipe did. Uh, what diagnosed this guy accurately? Uh, but moving past it a little bit, the so we find you know Ryan Felipe pulls the body out of the car and puts it in the field. And we find out that's the body from the beginning. Like from the beginning, we're back at the beginning, and this is when we all kind of start wrapping up the storyline. Non-linear storyline, like yeah, because it. it's ludicrous. Goes back to the van where they had hit the the Chinese man by accident, and uh, takes his van. Korean. Oh yeah, he's actually Korean. Wow. And uh, takes his van to the chop shop place, where we find out in the trunk of the car. So this is, confuses me. So. Is this one of those like coyote things, th- or is it is it people slavery trafficking? Like, is I think it it's trafficking. Human I trafficking. think it is human trafficking. Because there were chains, right? Right. Like, and I feel like they wouldn't be locked up if it was coyote. Oh yeah. Were coyote. they were they all girls? No, there mm. were guys. Okay. It was just all sorts of people. But yeah, women, men, like children. I know racism is already a dark subject to tackle. You throw in human trafficking, Just tack it on. I am too exhausted at this <laughs> to deal with this. Like, oh my god. Well, and I love that. Like, What's next? You know how they should have ended this movie? They should have been like, oh yeah, that gun uh, Terrence Howard had that you know he lost it in the scramble, or whatever. A kid picks it up, walks into a school, and shoots up a bunch of people. Why don't we throw that in? Like, what the. <laughs> fuck is this movie yeah. doing yeah <laughs> i'm sorry that was a tipping point of this is too much yeah oh human trafficking this late and, in the game and that a random dude like buying stolen cars would know it to, like so we just assume that every person that deals with like stolen cars can also deal with human trafficking yeah i don't know but and yeah the ludicrous that's, that's idea up. of like solving the solution is taking them and releasing them out into the wild as if he did them <laughs> at all a favor also i'd like Gave to point out bucks. i'd also want to point out the little bit of a racist thing ludicrous did you know where he dropped them off chinatown chinatown yeah wow why would you drop him off there, Luda? <laughs> but he has a big smile on his face. Well, because he thinks he did something good. <laughs> right. But he didn't. He might have just killed them. You know what you do? You drive that shit to the police station. You say, these people were held against their will in this van. I rescued them. I don't want any credit. Here you go. And he, you leave. He couldn't show his face at a police station. It's it's another question, though, of the greater good. And greater like the good. truth or what, you know, like... Also, I'm pretty sure a judge would cut you some slack if it's like, yes, listen, I know you have some armed robbery things here. I'm going to cut it down. You're still going to go to jail. I'm going to cut this down, maybe do, do some Do you think sort that would happen thing. if the district attorney, Brendan Frazier, oh, sees shit. him? I didn't think about that. <laughs> yeah. Are, is he going to cut him some slack? That's how this maybe movie should have been. That should have. Would that yeah. be the, the black hero that they pin that medal to? Maybe. Hmm. That would have been ironic. Interesting. That would have been great. <laughs> oh, if wow. Brendan I think we just came up with a better shut, ending. Oh, my gosh. That is a 10 times better ending, Peter. Well done. <laughs> I'm nice. sorry. This makes me excited. Like, <laughs> That's a great ending of him almost thinking he's taking the bullet, being like, no, I need to do the right thing. I'm going to help these people. Goes to a police station or a hospital or something, and he thinks he's going to go to prison. And then Brendan Fraser sees him, and he really thinks he's going to prison. And Brendan Fraser makes him a deal. 
That would have been a great ending. Oh, that would have been great. But that's not what we get. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ludacris drops him we, off. We in get Chinatown. $40, buying some chop suey. <laughs> and then he's like, obviously speaking English to you guys, there's no English. And he's like, what does he say? Yeah, good luck. <laughs> Chinaman or whatever. Crazy Chinaman. Crazy Chinaman. And then right. he gets in the car, laughs to himself. And then he leaves. Right. And the audience feels like he's changed. Yeah. And then we get a fender bender and, oh man, Shaniqua got rear-ended. Right. That seems like, like a strange addition. To well, of yeah. course. It's because everyone's racist, John. <laughs> John, and, and you're also missing a point. Oh, I didn't that get I, that. <laughs> <laughs> you're, <laughs> you're also missing another point I, I keep bringing up, but according to this movie, there are literally nine people that <laughs> live in L.A. <laughs> right. And they all know each other, but don't know each other. It's a very weird system they have. Yeah, we like <laughs> went over Terrence Howard finding Ryan Felipe's burning car and then like him throwing stuff on it and then like his wife calls. He and they kind of like a liberating they, moment. Yeah, they have like, like I love you. I love you. Okay, cool. And yeah. the music tells us that it's a, a life-changing yeah. moment for him. Right. It's going to be different from here on out. <laughs> right. Yeah, because Ryan Philbay, yeah, burned his card up, Hyde Evans. And, and you want to know who actually brought Don Cheadle's mama groceries. It's her dead son. Oh, yeah. We skipped that a little bit. So, yeah, Don Cheadle, after finding his brother, you know, tells his mom. Obviously, the mom's heartbroken, but blames Don Cheadle because throughout the movie, she had called Don Cheadle to be like, you need to go find your brother. Same. And he's not going to do it because well, his brother's a criminal. And, how, well, and he's a cop. How do you actually go about finding a person who doesn't want to be found in L.A.? Not to mention he's if Don Cheadle... Though. Yeah, well, he's a detective, but yeah, I don't that? think the mom understands. If Don Cheadle finds the brother, he has to arrest him. Otherwise, Don Cheadle is then an accomplice to a wanted fugitive. It's like a Breaking Bad situation. Yeah. And so, yeah, but then, like you said, because Don Cheadle brought her groceries earlier, that was really sad, actually. That one hit me. That one hit me right in the chest. Yeah, and he takes it, and it's like, oh, so that's why he's racist against this girlfriend. Right. And we kind of just get a flashback to where everyone is. You know, Luda freed the slaves. Um, Luda's friend's dead. (laughs) Ryan Philippe, I assume, is on the lam, or do you think he went to work the next day? Uh, Well, he's carless. Did he make it home? I don't know. We don't know. Um, Sandra Bullock's best friends with the maid. Yeah. Um, nothing really happened with Brendan Fraser. I mean, Dylan's still dad DA. still can't pee. Yeah, still can't pee. So we kind of get a quick <laughs> little wrap up. Is there anyone? Oh yeah, the Middle Eastern family's just cleaning up the store. Yeah. Um, Michael Pena's family is you know together and whole and enjoying life. Are, are the only light in this whole film? Yeah, they really are. And, um, and it's not enough of them. Yeah, and that I mean that's it. That's yeah, that's, that's crash. crash. Yeah, and we get the last like kind of audible lines we get are Shaniqua going, "I'm not going to talk to you unless you speak American." It shows that everybody can do their little part to fight racism, but the bigger wave will always crash over us. Mm. Yeah, this is. I think Capote. Sh- uh, well, I know people will say Brokeback Mountain should have beat this, but I'm going to say Capote. That or Good Night and Good Luck. Good Night and Good Luck is a really it's underrated really movie, good. in my opinion. Yeah. And mainly because I hate the Red Scare and McCarthyism. That was that is a blight on American yeah. history that They're nobody talks about. definitely better movies. But yeah, so um, closing thoughts is I don't think this is an awful movie. I think this is a movie that should have been toned down. Take one, maybe. I think you could have taken the Terrence Howard, Matt Dillon, Ryan Philippe story may uh, tone down the ludicrous shit in just those and you could have done a complete one into another of just their stories colliding with one another and 
It would have been perfectly fine. Lee Hooker's cracks me up in every scene where he's like, I don't like being stereotyped as he plays into every stereotype. I do love one thing that made me laugh in this movie that we skipped over is really early in the movie with Ludacris and his friend when it's another one of those, like, I'm not taking the bus. They put big windows on the bus so the people can see the minorities that have to ride in them. And they get in that whole thing. And then his friend says, um, hey, the Kings are playing tonight. And he's like, you don't like hockey, and you're only saying you do to piss me off. <laughs> I did really like that, because you could tell that's exactly what was happening. <laughs> I thought that was funny. So yeah. do you think it's like a dud? I think in the situation of them trying to tackle the complications that are racism in America, I think it failed. Making it maybe a dud. I wouldn't say as much of a dud as uh, grown-ups. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I guess I wouldn't either, but... Uh, Ooh, real tough question. Gun to your head. For the next month, you have to watch a movie every day. Like, once each day when you wake up, you have to watch either grown-ups or Crash for, let's say, two months. Do I have to be ad- attentive? Yeah. I mean, I probably do. No grown- phone, no laptop. You it's, have to just watch. It's going to be easy grown-ups for me because <laughs> it's hardly full-length. And I I can just glaze over. I think so I think if I watched Grown Ups, I think I would lose my mind. If you would lose your mind if you watched I think if I Crash, watched Crash every day, I think I'd lose like my like my soul. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I would just be crushed and be like, I can't deal with this shit anymore. <laughs> You'd be crushed because you were so crashed. Crushed so crashed. John? Do you like Final it? thoughts on the yeah. movie? Well, also, would um, you rather watch Crash or Grown Ups? Oh, Grown Ups, for sure. <laughs> um, was it a dud, John? I I think it was because I I think that... So I, one thing I did like was that I like, I'm like i a sucker for intertwining stories. I really like those type of That's movies. That's all this is. <laughs> right. But the movie took itself really seriously, and I felt like it was almost like, oh, look at this twist we're dropping here. Like, look. It, this the message they were trying to bring wasn't bad, but the way they did it was bad, and I think that's what made it a dud. They took this very serious topic and just turned it up to something that wasn't relatable to anyone. Gets the points we've already made, and yeah. so it doesn't challenge you in the end because you feel like you're not as bad as the people in that movie, and yeah. so so you, you, you can disconnect, right? So. Um, I liked the intertwining storyline, some of the connections they made, like the coming back full circle to that being the brother, you know, that was yeah. dead. I, like things some like those, that were some cool. Some of those were fine. I think some of them were way too much of a stretch. Like the Middle Eastern's uh, Middle Eastern store owner's daughter ends up being the doctor at the hospital the, that yeah, Don Cheadle and his mom were at. Or yeah, you're like that's too much. Yeah, and I like the camera like made sure we got her face. Yeah, in made the sure of the frame. we see it. Like, but overall, did not like the movie. I don't think it's worth your free time. See, I think honestly. this is a movie you watch once and then never watch again. If you're someone who likes to have seen the Oscar-winning movies, I guess, to say that you've seen it. But I agree with John. Yeah. yeah. American I, History X is a better movie that tackles racism. I think it's, yeah. That one's worth your free time. I, I would say I wouldn't necessarily say it handles racism better. I would say that it handles racism being turned up to eleven better, what? because that because like the point of American History X is showing militant racism. Like sure, but it, it at least says something at the end. No, no, that's what I'm getting at though. Is that like it says something in the end? So I do think it approaches racism better. But I think the main thing it does 
over this one is because this one tries to do racism to 11 and it comes off almost disgenuine. And I think in American History X, it doesn't because it comes from a, you know, it's talking about neo-Nazis. So it's coming from a place where, of course, these people are already at 11. They're neo-Nazis. So it it approaches that style of racism, I guess. Yeah, because Crash is trying to look at an everyman or, you know, like trying to put the audience in Which is its downfall because it doesn't. And American History X, you're right, does not attempt to do that. Right. It, it, yeah, I, I agree. I think if this had been a better, like, come from the different angle and actually done an everyman racism kind of story, like, this is going to be weird to say, but, like, Hidden Figures, that movie about the uh, the first three black women at NASA that really made, like, a step forward in their fields to, you know, for equal rights and everything like that, that handles everyday racism a thousand times better than Crash does. And it's not an awful, makes you feel terrible about the world movie. It like it teaches you something. This didn't teach me anything. Yep. And if anything, it made me go, "Wow!" If I had to pick between L.A. and New York, I think I'm just gonna go to New York. <laughs> 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 L.A. sounds awful. <laughs> but yeah, that's my final thoughts. I'm gonna give that a pass too. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, I guess we can go <laughs> ahead and wrap this up. Wait. So it's next week is is Mark's choice. Yes. Are you willing to do share you have a choice? No, I do. Well, it's not gonna be. So we should go ahead and explain. So next week being. Because at the time of recording this... It's Christmas Eve. Yeah. will be next week. Yeah, next Sunday will be Christmas Eve. So So this was our Christmas movie. It was Crash. No, no, no. I mean, mean, it's Christmas time (laughs) in the movie. So what we're going to do instead is... For next week, we're going to give out a bonus episode that's not going to fit this theme. We're going to just... Because we all saw the Star Wars movie that came out. And, uh, you know, we want to talk about that. And we're going to try to incorporate more episodes that have... Like movies we've all seen that are out right now, kind of keep current. They'll just be bonus episodes. But my pick will come out the following week, and we'll be talking about Ocean's Twelve. Okay. All right. Okay. Ocean's Twelve. I was gonna save it for sequels that nobody asked for, but I I don't think that fits as much because Ocean's Eleven was such a, such a success, yeah. which is why Ocean's Twelve pisses me off. I think Thirteen would be the one that no one asked for. That's a good. Yeah, that's a good one. But it's I thirteen's better than twelve, but we'll save that for the <laughs> podcast. Uh, yeah, all right, that's a fun. That's fun. That'll be an interesting one. Yeah, but, looking uh, forward yeah. to it. Not quite as serious. Oh no, <laughs> they don't tackle racism <laughs> quite like this movie does. But uh, yeah, so let's go ahead and wrap it up. Um, remember, you can follow us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you can find us. Please comment. Or leave a comment and just let us know what you like, what you didn't like. Um, rate rate us on with stars, you know, and uh, or not stars. Oh well, yeah, send I don't us know a Christmas are. present maybe if you're <laughs> in the mood. If you want, yeah, that's fun. Uh, you yeah, can, Mark's gonna put a link to a PayPal account. Oh god, <laughs> or you can donate or whatever. But remember to follow us on Twitter at not. TMFT Podcast. You can also email us movie suggestions because we would like to do a viewer request week or month or two or season whatever and you can reach us at the email tmftpodcast at gmail.com uh we'd love to hear from you um so until next time i'm mark burris with me is peter blankenship hey john girdler have a great christmas everyone (laughs) and uh we'll see you after the break with star wars